It's May 16th, 2015, and let's get this bullshit over with so I can have a cheeseburger. I'm Colin Detmar. I'm John Iniska, and this is the... This is Bottle Crow, a Dota 2 podcast. Episode 4 now. Not in counting the special, which was 3.5 or something? 3.5 was what I have named it. Makes sense. Makes sense. (sighs) Well, episode 4 is in the world of 6.84. Which we have played some, actually. Yes. Yes. No, we actually play this video game that we talk about. So. Sometimes. Sometimes. Like... Okay, we weren't going to address these topics in any real order, but the, like, okay, I really enjoy this patch. I think there is going to be a 6.84b before too long, just because of fucking undying. They, they, they need to do something about that as soon as possible. Yes. I, I am looking at win rate for the last 30 days for Undying, and it looks like for basically all of... Well, okay, it doesn't go back this far, but it, it, it was totally stable. So I assume for basically all of 6.83, Undying's win rate fluctuated between 53 and 54%, which is obviously pretty good, but not yeah. terrifying. As soon as the patch hit, it jumped up to 61%. It has not gone below that, and it has recently gotten as high as 75% win rate. That's absurd. That's like... But let's not focus too much on win rate, because that's like a number that can look worse or better than it is. True. Just actually playing against it, it's always been strong, but the change they made that, like, that you can't just AoE down the... Tombstone zombies anymore combined with just how much more ganking is a viable way to get farmed now he is obscene like when you hit that like level 10 level 11 mark around that point it is completely terrifying like we, we had a game the other day where at one point with four people we tried to gank Undying and one person, I don't remember who was with him, but it was two people, and they didn't have a huge level advantage on us, it was just Undying and his friend, and we tried to gank him with four people, no backup arrived for them, but we ran into it, and he dropped Tombstone, and it ended with us all trying to run away and dying before we could get out because of the slow and the damage. Like, they devoured us. Yeah, it's like, you either need to burst him immediately... Or you need to be able to kill the tombstone. Because otherwise it's like, if you go in and he drops it, it's already too late. You yeah. need to disengage immediately, but you can't because you're slowed. And I understand, like, it is probably more of a problem in pubs, because tombstone is one of those abilities that is just, like, it is a nightmare in pubs, because it preys on a lack of decisiveness. Oh, Definitely. Like, if you, if you, when you see Tombstone, you have to make the call right then and there. Can I destroy the Tombstone quickly? Can I destroy Undying quickly? Or do I have to run? And if you waffle between any of those three, you're fucked. Like, just running on foot is usually not enough. Like, often it's like, do I have a TP? Can I get out now? Well, it's, if you, if you, like, if you run the moment you see it drop. Often you can get out, but... Depending on how close to him you are. Like, if you're in melee with him and he drops it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I appreciate the change with... making them less, like... It was a little too easy to AoE them down before, maybe. Yeah. But that still needs to be possible. It's... I think the problem is... The, the this buff is aimed at like late game stuff where mm-hmm. you can't just you can't just uh, like wave down them anymore in the late to mid game but now it's like to in early to mid it's like 
what do you do? Like, if you don't have the the physical burst damage to burst down the tombstone, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I think... I was gonna say that you should put tombstone on, uh... Like, the... the instead of making, making it HP-based for ranks 1 through 3, and then the number of attacks for rank 4. But I even I don't think that's good enough, because people are just gonna rush that. Oh yeah, um, like, people I, have... I, I think you need to the... tie it to his agonims. Maybe. Maybe. And maybe if you need to give it a small buff in order to make that more worthwhile. But I mean, the agonims already has. Like, the agonims already does something. He has an agonims. It is not terrible. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But yeah, like, level 4 tombstone isn't exactly prohibitive, as no. you say. No, it's not at all. You already see people rushing it because of how good it is nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's just... We had a game where we played against an undying, where I ended up taking control and more or less shouting orders at everybody after a while. And we eventually managed to more or less deal with the tombstone, but it was still, like... In the mid-game, it was like, okay, he dropped the tombstone. In order for us not to all die, we need to either to either do an immediate split-second decision of, of, do we destroy it or do we get out? Yeah, and and when we say destroy it, like, we're not talking about, like, okay, it's one person's job to, no, everyone attack it right now or we all die. And, yeah, like, the, the decision becomes, if we attack it all now, do the enemy heroes kill us? Mm-hmm. If yes, we need to run. If no, we can destroy it. Right. And like, so it became my job to more or less just make that decision and try to yell it and try to convince everyone else to do the same thing. And when it worked, it was sort of enough, but it's still like, that is a huge area denial tool for us. Yeah, yeah, it was extremely potent. And it was really, Undying's always been a good offlaner. Yeah. And with the strength of that tombstone, like, he can force fights when people, like, aren't even remotely interested, right? Like, he pulls your lane into jungle creeps, and then he farms them with soul rip and with punches. Or not soul rip, I'm sorry, decay. Um, And then, like, if you go in to try and do something about it, he drops the tombstone. Yeah, and like, before, you could have, like, Alina with you, and he drops the tombstone, and she just drops um, a dragon slave on top of it, burning out a bunch of zombies and damaging him, and it's like, you can deal with it. You can mm-hmm. delay the, the, the catastrophic wave of terror coming at you, right. but now now that's not a possibility. Right. No, I I, like... I appreciate what they were trying to do, but it's just way too good. Yeah, and I, I expect they they are going to change that. It's yeah. just... I, I wonder how that would look in a professional match. I assume we will find out pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah, so the other change... Well, they have made one change already, which was they added a mana cost to Glimmer Cape earlier, which... When I first saw the number, like, I wasn't... It, they added a one... Like, it used to cost no mana. Now it yeah. costs 135 mana. And when I first saw that number, I was like, Jesus. And then I thought about it. I was like, if you're getting this and you're not an intelligence hero, you're probably stupid. And it's fine. Put it this way. I played a few games before they made that change. Mm-hmm. Two words, no, three words. Pudge, glimmer, cape. Yeah. That was a thing. That was a brief, terrifying thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, the pudge now went invisible. Is he going towards me for this member? Is he aiming a hook? I don't know. How do I dodge this? I don't know. And obviously, like, Shadowblade has always been a thing. But, like, Shadowblade doesn't give you 66% magic resistance. Like, 
Shadow Blade doesn't cost 1900 gold. Shadow Blade doesn't make you invisible while you do shit. Because you can't break invisibility of Glimmer Cape while it's active. I'm pretty sure that's not true, my friend. I'm pretty sure it doesn't break. I... Here, let me... I misspelled it. I'm misspelling everything. I, I typed in Gimmer Canoe instead of Glimmer Cape. I am a genius. Um, attacking, casting spells, or using... Oh, during the fade time. Yep. Oh my god, I always misunderstood that. That's a nightmare. Yeah, it just... Like, that's why it's so good. Like, I, I built it on Lion, the first game I played after the patch. Just... I would just glimmer cape myself walk in and get a, like, three or four person earth spike because they couldn't avoid it because they didn't know where I was. And, like, if I manage to get that out fast enough, I am still invisible while the earth spike is happening. So I can earth spike and then hex another player before they can do anything to stop me. Okay, yeah, that was... That was a fundamental misunderstanding that I had. And, uh... Boy, that actually explains a lot. Yeah. God, that's really disgusting. Like, of all the items they added, I think Glimmer Cape is gonna be the biggest deal. Well, by far. it's also one of the cheapest. I mean, there's the mango, but, like, a lot of the items that they added are very late game items. You're not gonna see a lot of Octarine cores. Yeah. That's, that's totally true. That's one of the reasons. But also, like, aside from the cost... Throw this like I'm a support. I see my carry is is start moving in on something. I cast glimmer cape on them. Do you realize how strong this is? Like I, you know what, you know what, you know how I realize how strong it is, Johnny. Last night we had a couple of engagements. You were playing Viper. And you had our support cast Glimmer Cape on you before you went yeah. in. And it always went really fucking well. Yeah. It's just, like... Like, as Viper, I'm like, cast Glimmer Cape! And I just go in, and I, like, I ult someone, and I start po poison stacking on people, and they can't do anything. It's just... I mean, and obviously, you know, the normal forms of detection still work. But, like, part of what's, like, short of... Riki is the only hero in the game where you absolutely need detection to fight them under any circumstance, right? Like, even Clinks. If Clinks mistimes things, there is a decent window in which Clinks is visible and you can do something. Yep. And Glimmer Cape basically turns anyone to Riki for a little while. Glimmer Cape, like, well, more than if that, you don't actually. if you don't have stealth detect, it is such a huge deal. Like it is, it is the strongest form of like invisibility outside of Slark. Yeah. In some ways, it is better than Slark because Slark at least notifies everyone of where he is. Right. Yeah, it's also it's kind of like the old uh Oracle false promise effect. Yeah. Which except... actually, if you built this on Oracle. Oracle is one of them I don't know. Oracle already like uses so much mana. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing. Like that's why this mana cost nerf is such a good change, because now you can only build it on those uh, supports that have more mana than they need. You can build it on Witch Doctor, who is like... I mean, yeah, Witch Doctor can spend all his mana. Like, he wants to have a lot of mana because then he can Voodoo Restoration forever if he needs to, but so often he's gonna have some of that over. Mm -hmm. I uh, do want to note real quick, it is 130, not 135. I apologize. Okay. But... Yeah, I, uh, like, it is really interesting. It's a style, like, 
being able to grant your carry invisibility is a kind of ability that supports haven't really been able to do before. I mean, obviously, there's the there's that old oracle again. Yeah. But, like, having that as an item a support can build. Like, we knew that in 6.84, playing a support would get better because of the gold stuff and because of the changes to wards and, you know, stuff stacking yeah. your inventory. But there's even, like, new ways to support, which is really interesting. Yeah. And it's not a lot of new ways to support, but, like, Glimmer Cape is such a way to stay more relevant after the after the early game, after the early mid game. Because, especially for, for supports that don't have super strong disables. Yeah. It's like, but this it- is a way for me to spend my mana to do something that helps. Well, but also, like, I mean, think about some of the other changes, right? Like, the Enchanted Mango is an incredible asset for a support with some really amazing early game spells who wants to help with ganking. And, like, the thing I've seen people do is, like, build Glimmer Cape on anything that builds Soul Ring, because mana. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing I saw that really disgusted me was Glimmer Cape Cape. God damn it! <laughs> Glimmer cake. <laughs> uh. Glimmer cape Omni Knight. Oh no. Oh yes. Oh no. Oh yes. I don't like that at all, Johnny. <laughs> I love purification bombs. Ah, oh, they they bum me out. Like I have played too many games where I was a support against a fed team. Like, not crazy fed, but certainly had the lead with an Omni Knight. And I would, like, I would not even be being attacked, but there would be incidentally a purification cast during the fight, and I would just dissolve. <laughs> oh, it's such a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there are so many heroes upon which when you cast. Glimmer Cape, they immediately just become monsters. Cast Glimmer Cape on Ursa. Cast it on Tiny. Yeah. It's disgusting. And like, if you're an Omni Knight who is like, I'm gonna cast, I'm gonna cast Glimmer Cape on Tiny. Tiny will go in and do his combo and then I will Purification Bomb on top of that. Mm-hmm. What? What is even happening anymore at that point? Yeah. And we, I mean, there are other, like, we're focusing on Glimmer Cape a lot, but also, like, Lotus Orb, you can cast that on allies. So if yeah. you want to get that spell pseudo, I don't even know what to call it, because it's not really a reflect. It's like, you copy the spell and throw it back at them. I, I, I guess we should say recast, right? Yeah. Like, you can get that, I mean, it is like a Lincoln's, right? You cast it on a friendly, and they get that recast for a limited amount of time. Yeah. And you can cast it on yourself, of course, and that's probably best built on people who want to cast it on themselves. But if you're a support who's got some farm, you can help your buddy out. I imagine Storm will like that item a lot. Yes. But the other thing is that there's a new role in Dota. The position one support. Alchemist. (laughs) Obviously, I don't like, the things I have seen do not say to me that this is the optimal way to play this hero. At least not with the the techniques discovered so far. But the idea of just having Alchemist farm like crazy, like an anti-mage would, so that he can buff up his friends, is just... I, I, think, it's, I think it's incredibly strong in the right lineup. Yeah. Like, the, the the thing I was playing with in my head before was, like, you take a carry that can largely farm by ganking. Someone like uh, a Juggernaut, for instance. Sure. Someone who also has a very strong Aghanims that helps him further farm by ganking. Again, <sighs> Juggernaut. Yeah. And just... Then you place an alchemist in the jungle and say... say by the way, you don't actually have to farm your agonims. 
you will get that from your teammates. And it won't take up a slot. Like, and it won't take up a slot. That is the thing with Juggernaut, right? Is Juggernaut is a very good carry, but his agonims is really amazing. And a lot of Juggernauts have the hard choice of like, do I go for the agonims or do I save the slot for something else? Because obviously that agonims is incredible. But yeah. also having a butterfly in that spare slot would be pretty incredible. Problem yeah. solved. Alchemist. And it's like, not only that, like, you get it while also farming something else meanwhile. Mm -hmm. So you accelerate your farm so much, you get, free up that slot. It's just beyond incredible. Right. And it's also, it's kind of interesting because, like, that's a, that's like a, that's a, that's a decently late game strategy, I would say. Yeah. But if you think about it, like, anti-mage has been a sort of like a mid-late game strategy, right? You hold out until Anti-Mage gets his farm, and then Anti-Mage wins the game for you. And if he is not fast enough winning the game for you, then the game turns back around. Yeah. That won't be a problem with Alchemist, because if the game keeps going, Alchemist will keep making everyone else stronger, and eventually he will himself become probably the strongest carry in the game. Because, I mean, like... There are, there are a few characters that can stand up to the level of farm that Alchemist can take. Like, Medusa is the main one, I think. But Medusa is the main one, but you'd have to sacrifice, like... The thing is that Medusa... Alchemist get, has, like... Alchemist just has the best farm in the game. Maybe, like, just... Like, maybe he doesn't have the most sustainable, but Grievel's Greed means he is going to get money faster than anyone else. It just yeah. does. Especially with that bounty rune change, because that's actually, any Disgusting. time the jungle is empty, he can go get a free 200 gold. I mean, 400, of course, at the first runes. Um, and with Alchemist, like, a guy who's getting that much farm, like, obviously you want your carry to be very strong, but Alchemist has unstable concoction, he has the, uh, corrosive acid i want to call it i don't remember the q mm. he's got his rage and then you know he's getting so much farm that he'll get six slotted with agonim stat boost and probably a moon shard if the game goes long enough yep and then you know it's like you had a person who was in a position of support and granted a support that was taking a lot of farm but a support who suddenly transitions into an insanely hard carry but like, okay, here's here's the 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 thing I feel like we aren't saying here. Like, take for instance that juggernaut situation I was talking about earlier. Like, yes, it's sort of a late game strategy, but you're also accelerating the game. You're getting to that late game stage so much faster than a juggernaut could by himself. Yes. Like that's the thing I think is nuts. It's just like. And that it only works on, like, carriers who don't need the jungle, because Alchemist is going to have the jungle, mm -hmm. is in itself, yet, like, nuts. Just nuts. And yeah, I mean, I'm not sure, like, I'm just, we're, I think we're just talking about how, like, new and interesting and crazy it is. Not necessarily that it's too good. I mean, if it's too good or not, that remains to be seen. Like, we... It is possible that it's going to be too good in certain lineups, but that's what bans are for. Like, that, right. Dota has always been a game where certain lineups just get super powerful, and that's why we have a drafting system like we do. Right, in, in and, just, games. and just like Anti-Mage, you're going to be short a hero from a lot of the game. Yeah. And, like, you're not... And also, your carry... Like, I mean, Juggernaut can get a lot done with ganking, but if he isn't getting it done with ganking... He would need to use the enemy's jungle, and that's fucking scary. Yeah, that's that's terrifying. And like the only time you can really secure the enemy jungle is if you're ganking well enough to have the map control. Right. Which that you wouldn't if that's the case. Mm -hmm. So that's like a totally that strategy has weaknesses, flaws, ways that it can lose hard. Mm -hmm. But just the theoretical power of that is something entirely new to Dota, and yeah. I like the idea. I like the idea even if I don't like the way it, like, forces... 
I don't like the idea of getting boosted on that bypass the inventory slot thing. But despite that, I just like the the implications this has. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. I, uh... It's obviously too early to see how 6.84 will shake out on the whole. But... Yeah. I mean, you could go look at pro matches now, and you will get some idea of the early stages, but it's like how... Oftentimes, you will see a big content patch not, like, really crystallize until TI. Mm-hmm. And I doubt it will take this long for a meta to emerge here, but... But certainly there's a lot that people haven't figured out yet, and there's, just, yeah. there's a lot to digest. Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to imagine. Like I'm I'm still like just really really interested to see how the Procyon handles on dying. I I want to see if there's an answer there. Yeah, I do too. I mean, and maybe maybe he's gonna be one of those heroes that's kind of like Axe, right? Just gank early, gank often, just yeah. fuck that guy up. Perhaps. Well, Speaking of the International, the International 5 Compendium has been released, and we are now well on our way to funding it for them. How uh, crazy is the number right now? It is 6.29 million at Jesus. the moment. And uh, Valve is asking, like, their stretch goals go up to 15 million, and... I don't They're... know if we'll get to the 15 million one, but I, think I imagine we we'll get to 10. I am pretty sure we will get to 10, and I, I suspect we'll get to 15 million. Um, Just, I mean, you know, like, looking at the graphs, right, of, like, how we're doing compared to last year. And also, like, Valve didn't set these goals in a vacuum, right? No, totally. They, they said... spent a lot of time thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And they thought that this was the amount of money they could basically extract out of us. Um, if you do the math, as far as what they are asking us to give them, it started with a prize pool of, I believe, $1.6 So, essentially, they are asking us to give them $53.6 million. And the community is going to fork it over. I, I suspect you are correct. I don't think, like, last year they had to, I think, invent new stretch goals because we blew past their old ones. Yeah. That's not happening this year. Uh, no, like, just looking at the list of shit they're doing here. Yeah, well, I, I mean, don't like, think we're getting any new ones even if we blow past this. I, if we blow past it, I, I believe that they would come up with new things. Like, they could do another voice pack. They could do another fucking whatever. But yeah. I just don't think we're going to blow past it. I don't think there's any way that we give them that much money. I just don't think that's happening. Like, I, like... Didn't we nearly double the initial, like, stretch goals for the we, last year? We did. Um, but, I mean, the initial stretch goals for last year were a lot lower than, like, were a lot lower than this. And yeah. as soon as we hit Immortal Treasure 3 at $10 million, things are going to slow way the fuck down. Yeah. So, but yeah, like I, I imagine we'll probably get the desert terrain at eleven. Sure, that's the last point where I really care. I am, I am interested in the fifteen million dollar one. I am interested to to see all of this, but like the 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 last one, if we don't get to to the desert terrain, I will be a bit sad about that. Sure, fair. I just like. <sighs> So, when we were setting up topics for this was before the Enigma comic had come out. Yeah. And before the Enigma comic came out, after the release of Dota, because they did some comics before Dota was actually out, but after Dota was actually released, they had done two comics. And one was the, like, the contract event thing. Yeah. And one was the Winter Wyvern and crystal maiden comic yep both of those heralded the announcement of a new character yeah 
So when I saw this new, like, oh, and another long-form comic, like, well, obviously to me that says, well, not like 100%, but it, it hints strongly at Arc Warden, which they have been hinting at in some of their other material. Like, oh, yeah, they're going to say we finally get Arc Warden. Enigma throws that off a little bit, but not quite. Like, it is, it is debatable whether that Enigma comic could be considered a long-form comic, right? Like, that was... Yeah. Not like it was nothing, but it was decently short. I wonder if they would tie this in somehow. To the Enigma thing? Yeah. I would guess no, because it didn't feel like there were a lot of breadcrumbs for them to deal with there. But Probably. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I just, like... You see the, you know, like, special acts immortal and long-form comic. And if you see that long-form comic and you're just like, oh, they're going to get some buddy to draw something up and that'll be fun. It's like, no, buddy. They don't do these comics if they're not in part and parcel with something bigger. And it's yeah. going to be bigger than the acts immortal, I basically promise you. Yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. It's just... They, the, uh, Arc Warden has been on the way for so long that mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what it means anymore if they're like, oh, we're gonna release Arc Warden. If, if they say we're gonna release Arc Warden, my, my response to that is, okay, when? <laughs> yeah, my response to that is, like, you release Techies? <laughs> like, yeah. came out. Sure. They took, took their a while. time. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is, like, it's not like if we don't reach this, it's like, oh, we didn't reach $15 million. I guess you're never getting Arc Warden. It's like, no, come the fuck on. That's not going to happen. Yeah, okay. Of course, of course. We're getting it. It's yeah. just, it may impact the order in which things happen. Quite possibly. Sure. I mean, I, 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 my assumption is that they are pretty confident we will get there, and they they just sort of are taking it for granted that they will get to do this comic. I don't think they're thinking that much about the possibility that they won't get to. Fifty million is a lot, though. We're already and like so close. Like to clarify, we are. This is not like talking about. People raising 15 million. This is 50 million as in like 50 million times four for the amount well, of money. Yeah, I, I, like I said earlier, it's, it's, if you do the math, since they started us with a 1.6 million prize pool, it is $53.6 million. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Valve. Valve, that is so much money. It is so much money. Jesus Christ. Like, I would rather. It's almost too much money. Like, I mean, 15 million for first place. Or not for first place, but for the prize pool for this. Like, what's first place going to be? Like, seven? Yeah, that sounds about on par. So, like... I'd rather you spread this out, like, throughout other things. Like what? Well, I mean, we have the... We have gotten the announcement of the four tournament season that they they will be doing. Oh, Johnny, don't even worry about it. There yes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's just, like, do we even need that? Couldn't you just, like, take this money and spread it around? Well, I mean, maybe that's the thing, right? Maybe that's, like, given that they are actually getting nearly four times the amount that we are, that they are asking for, like, in reality... Maybe some of that money is going to go towards those tournaments. Some of it, but like, well, I mean, they don't need to. Like, they shouldn't all be internationals. They shouldn't all have prize pools of fifteen million dollars. That would be like that would be kind of awful. Yeah. If if we had tournament four tournaments that big in a year, that would be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I just. I, I don't know what to think anymore. And like that the only 25% of this goes into the prize pool. 
Mm-hmm. It's just, like, that was fair enough when we were talking, like, one or two million. Yeah. This is getting crazy. What I would have liked to see would have been that after a certain amount, let's say seven million, just to be generous. After seven million, they're like, okay, after this point, I I don't have to say a hundred percent, but let's say 80% of the money goes to the prize pool. After this point, we're diverting much more of it to the prize pool because obviously we've gotten so much money that we are allowed to do literally whatever we want with. Yeah. That maybe, it's just like, the 25% makes sense when you're like, no, they're subsidizing the tournament and they're subsidizing the development of Dota and running the servers and all this stuff. But at a certain point, like, if this was the only thing they did for money in a in a year for Dota, then absolutely fucking make a thirty million dollar stretch goal and only take yeah. it only out of twenty five percent. But they sell a ton of fucking hats. Yeah, like they, they like the- Dota. I I don't have hard numbers, but Dota must be disgustingly profitable. It must be yeah. obscenely profitable. I mean, this is the thing I was telling people when Dota was coming out, like. Everyone was just like, but uh, it's going to be completely free. Like, how do you do that? It's uh, You do it by taking... Like, they, they knew what they were working with. Yeah. This entire thing has just been incredibly well planned from the get-go. But, I, not, like, like, I think, I think it's... I, 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 like, when when is it enough? When when do we stop pretending that it's fair for them to ask the community to crowdsource the, all this money for it? That's the question, isn't it? Because, I, I mean, I it's it's fair up to a point. It absolutely is. Yes. But, but like, the point where... Valve is one of the most profitable game companies in the world. And we're not just talking about how much money they have in the, stashed away in a vault somewhere. Everyone at Valve gets paid a lot of money to work there. And, like, the, that company is thriving. And mm. let's not pretend this isn't the same Valve that is getting away with so much shit on Steam overall. Just... They they make so much money and they put in so little effort into taking responsibility for everything. At a certain point, it seems like EA acting us to kickstart a Battlefield game. It's like, what? You joke about that, but like, I I would not be surprised to see, to, like, they, they would be doing it if they thought they could get away with it. And that's Publishers, the thing. That's the thing, is that Valve is doing it and seemingly getting away with it, and people don't see, like, it's it's obviously not a direct, it's not a totally fair comparison, but with how much money they make and are making and how much it costs to do what they are doing and what they do with the money they are given from year to year, like, at a certain point you have to say, why exactly are we funding everything? Why aren't you doing some of this yourself? And, like, in the end, all of it is gonna, of course, come from fans, because it's the people who pay for Valve's shit that let Valve have money so they can do stuff. But, like, how much of this truly goes back into Dota? Yeah. Like, that... And, I mean, it's fair for them to divert profits to other projects, but, like, at what point do we as a community say that perhaps this isn't what we need to be doing. Maybe we, we need to be more critical of supporting this sort of things. Yeah. I think... You know, you hear the term what the market can bear. And I think that is exactly why Valve has economists. Yeah. It's because they are going to run this as close to the fucking wire as they can. And, like, they are masters at it at this point. They are yeah. masters at you sitting there listening, like, figuring out how they can make money of people in a way that makes them the, most people feel like it is fair. Yeah. And it's like stuff like 
You know, I, I wonder how much the companion would make if it was just like, here's a crowdfunding for this tournament instead of, here's a crowdfunding for this tournament and look at all the hats you get. Yeah. I mean, I will come clean. I have a level 175 compendium. I would get one if it was just crowdfunding. It would not be that high of a level for goddamn sure. I do have not bought it yet. I probably will. But like the more I think about it, the more it's like... I don't know if I want to anymore. Yeah. I don't know if I want to be on this train. Because while I want these tournaments to happen, it's like, they are gonna happen. There's no stopping this train at this point. But do I want to contribute into making this faster? (laughs) This train go faster? This analogy is getting away from me. Help. Like a runaway train? You're not helping. Yeah, it's just like, how much do you want to be complacent in what you find to be a morally reprehensible business model, right? And like, and, and it's, it's not that solid, right? Like, we can't say, well, I, I at least am not comfortable saying, like, no, this is disgusting and Valve should be ashamed. I think there are details about this that are disgusting and Valve should be ashamed of. And I think you can find details of, uh, of most business models that are kind of disgusting. Yeah. And I also, you know, like, gamers constantly underestimate how much this stuff costs. Yeah, they totally. constantly we, do. And we are almost certainly doing it right now. The question yeah. is how much. The que- uh, yeah, it's like, if if I had, if my suspicions, if my suspicions about how much money Valve is making off of this, and how much, how huge the profits are compared to their, their expenses, if I knew those numbers for fact, I would not be say, sitting here saying that maybe we shouldn't do this. If I knew what I suspect for a fact, I would be saying, no, we shouldn't do this. Yeah. It's this, just, show got, this show got really dark, Johnny. The, the, perhaps, but like... It, this is the stuff that's going on in the scene, and like, I, I, as much as I am excited for so much that Vaz does, I am, like, being excited for it just makes me feel like I have more of a responsibility to be critical of the bad parts of it. Yeah. And it's just, like, they are doing a great job with this game, overall. But... For uh, for as much money as they are, they seem to be making. I feel like they could do more, and I yeah. feel like that's the case with so much Valve is doing, from Steam to uh, Steam's general business models to like their customer service to this whole paid mods thing that happened with Skyrim a few like a week ago or so. Mm-hmm. Like it's all. Like, these are good ideas, and you have a good general idea on your hands here, and then you, like, sort of take this hands-off approach and just make shitloads of money, because you are already the place everyone goes to. Well, but I feel like it's... there The way St- Valve handles things between Steam and Dota, like, let's consider them as two separate areas for a moment. Okay. They're handling in... Dota is much more delicate and, frankly, kind of sinister. Like, the way they get things done in Dota is by offering, like, is offering these goals that everyone will get something from, provided goals are met, which encourages fanatical and obsessive people yeah. to bear the load, and normal people even to push a little harder than they might otherwise. It encourages people to become that fanatical. Exactly, exactly. And like, yeah, I... There, there, there's definitely some sinister stuff there. And it's like, at some point, it's like, uh, it's almost like, would I rather be paying a year to subscription for this? Hmm. Maybe I would. Maybe that would feel more more like 
on the level than this coercion we're talking about now. Because, yeah. like, you know me, I don't like coercion. <laughs> no. And I mean, and, and comparing it to their other category, which is just Steam at large, like, I feel like sometimes they make some pretty greedy plays, but largely they feel kind of incompetent. Like, I don't feel like Steam is a bad product. I, but I... the way they handle so many things in Steam is like, like, you know, everyone's saying it. But this this paid mod thing is the perfect example, right? It was so unbelievably clumsy. Yeah, it's a really good base idea. Like it is, it is something that is going to need to happen if the mod scene is to continue to be a thing. Like right. we are bleeding models, modders left and right. Modders are leaving for indie development as fast as they fucking can because nobody can make a living on mods. And yet, at the same time, the industry is hurting for, like, experienced, talented people. Yeah. And that could be so easily supported with paid mod scene. Like, paid mods, probably, I'm, there are going to be some people who can make a living off of it. Most people, it is going to be a side activity that gets them a yeah. little bit of money. And for someone who is trying to get into the industry and practice their skills, having it be something that can help them pay the rent a little bit every month while they work on it, will make the idea of them getting experience and joining the industry and being a fucking factor way more of a thing. It will be so good for the industry. Yeah, but, but... But, like, what Valve did was they picked a game that had a huge, vibrant mod scene. They made it sound like paid mods would be the only thing that would exist. All of the sudden, they had no fucking review process for these mods they said you community you've got 48 hours to tell us that this thing I, I, is that stolen last, that last bit that last bit is just the most like valve steam thing imaginable and it is just infuriating do your fucking job valve exactly like that is do your job as a storefront like that, seriously yeah and it is it, that is so exemplary of everything they do. Like they still don't offer refunds of games that legitimately like do not work. Yeah, they just the, the, it's that, it's been like every pod like this is not the only podcast that Johnny and I have spoken over, and it feels like every single one of them at some point we end up saying Valve grow up. Yeah, it's. It, <sighs> I I used to really love Valve, and I still love a lot of what they do. But it's just it's it's getting complicated, and you're not making this easy easy Valve. Right. Like, I found myself going like maybe Origin isn't so bad after all. Like a few weeks ago, Origin is so bad. Origin is so bad. Don't do it. Yeah, it actually is. Like the client is worthless. So much about it is terrible. But like. Like, just, I am dying for alternatives here. Just because Valve won't pick up the slack. And, like, even if I don't use an alternative, we need them to put pressure on Valve to adapt. And it's like... (sighs) And it's getting harder. It's getting harder to use alternatives. I mean, the last... Of the last three games I bought... Two of them were... No, of the last four games I bought, three of them were not from Steam. The three of them which were not from Steam were all Steamworks games with Steam DRM that could only be redeemed, downloaded, and played through Steam. Yeah. Even though I bought them from different stores. That is a... Like, as much as Steamworks is a good system, that is a dire fucking... Thing to be to be seeing, just like that. Pillars of Eternity is Steamworks. City Skylines is Steamworks. Yeah. Like th- these, like most of the middle range market between India and e- like the the range between India and EA is on Steamworks now. That is terrifying. When I. I've been a big supporter of Cook Serve Delicious, which is an indie game where you are basically playing as a chef. Um, fun game, you should check it out, it's on Steam. 
and it wasn't always on Steam. For a while, it was just an indie game, and, like, the creator said the most common message he got, more than any other message, was two emails basically in tandem. One, is this on Steam? When the answer was no, okay, fuck it, I'll wait till it's on Steam. Like, that is just what happens if you're not on Steam now, and... That's scary enough. That's yeah. scary enough. But, the, like, that's a problem. But th- that I feel like that's not half the problem it is when you have games that are essentially exclusive to Steam. You cannot get these anywhere else. Well, that's Even the natural, that's the natural result. That's the natural result. People focus on Steam for their release, and then they start saying, like, well, there are these things we'd like to do. We'd like to have mod support. We'd like to have you know, an easy system for DLC and you start being like, well, we're going to be on Steam and all of our sales are are basically going to be on Steam. Why don't we use their systems? And then suddenly the game can't come off of Steam. You know, like the the biggest middle tier PC publisher right now, up and coming, which which company would you say that that is? Telltale? Publisher. Publisher. Do they publish stuff outside of their own shit? No, they don't. I guess I would say Double Fine, then. Huh. I would say Paradox. Really? Yeah, like, they are making... Like, they are growing fast. They are publishing things left and right. You know what is true of all Paradox releases? They are only on Steam. Since Crusader Kings 2, everything with a Paradox name on it is only available on Steam. And, like, they, they are... I love Paradox. They are a company that puts out great stuff. And they are, have generally been great about DLC and like making sure that things are actually worth your money. I really wish they wouldn't be Steamworks only. I really wish that wasn't the case. Yeah. It... And just, you know, Valve's attitude towards everything else is... is... I feel like most strongly felt in Dota. Like Dota yeah. is is the like the the perfect cap encapsulation of what Valve wants their other systems to be. Yeah, TF2 is a testing ground. Uh, Steam itself is there. Like, oh, I this is where we make most of our money. But like, the, we're the prime, like the we're the the primary in, in implementation of every single idea they have is Dota. And it seems like Valve is, like, with Steam, it's also kind of an attitude like, well, we couldn't really fuck this thing up if we tried. Like, the, the casualness with which they announce and, and release things, what else are we supposed to think, right? Like, we're doing this paid mod thing, it's out now, and it's a game that everyone's going to be pissed about getting paid mod support. Or, like, oh, hey, we're doing screen, Steam Greenlight, and it's this new service, and you have to pay us a hundred bucks to get on it. Oh, wait, no, sorry, that's for charity. Oh wait, uh, we're gonna have the top one percent voted in. Oh wait, that doesn't work. Never mind. Like revising, 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 revising with no warning in a live yeah. marketplace. It's like th- that. Like if they paid as much attention to doing things precisely and accurately as they do in Dota's economy. Hmm? Steam would be a much tighter ship. It would also be a way fucking scarier ship. Yeah, I'm sort of glad that Val- that Steam isn't better than, than it is because holy f- shit! Like the the way Steam is just a leaking ship is the only reason it doesn't have a, a practical monopoly. Yeah. Huh, yeah, you're right. This did get dark. Did we have anything else to say about Dota itself? <laughs> I like Earthshaker. I also like Earthshaker. Vote for Earthshaker for the... Okay, no, no, sorry. I have to be serious for a second here, guys. If you've got a companion and you've got the Arcana vote, if you didn't listen to anything we just said and you gave Valve all your money, then fucking vote for Rubik. Rubik is awesome, but more importantly, think about what they will do with spell stealing and all the spells he recasts if he has an Arcana. Think how fucking amazing that will get. It's just bang for your buck. It just makes sense. Yeah. Rubik is the coolest. Rubik Always is pretty Rubik. awesome. 
And, like, when I'm casting, like, an Arcana Aghanim's Black Hole, and it's, like, a fucking, like, techno dance party, you can be like, man, I'm glad I fucking voted no, for this. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> DJ Rubik. No, like, Heroes of New Earth literally has a, a hero that does, like, a fucking dance floor with a disco ball as an AoE stun thing. Well, it's okay, we'll get, uh, fucking... Skrillex. It'll be better. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, the worst joke, and it took me so long to even come up with a name. DJ Atomica? No? Alright. I'll go home. DA Atomica was the right DA for the right time. He was. <laughs> the early 2000s, and not a year longer. <laughs> Uh, that that era in gaming was weird. Not this that era this in gaming era is, isn't. Yeah, it's turning pretty weird itself. All right, I uh, I think probably we should wrap this one up before I have to bust out a bottle of whiskey to keep going. <laughs> probably, uh, probably we didn't get through like half the topics we intended. I think, but uh, we got some good discussions on the ones I think matter the most. We do have, however, one reader mail that we will handle real quickly. Oh, right. Right, right. This one is from uh, Vushvizul. Uh, Hi, Crows. In Episode 3, Colin mentioned that most sports have a way to handle long games that is more sophisticated than, than just dragging along forever. Not so much. I don't know from soccer, but other than that, it breaks down into one of three different strategies. One, just keep playing like it's no big deal. Baseball games just keep having extra innings indefinitely until someone is ahead at the end of an inning. Two, just keep playing with overtime periods that are mostly but not exactly like the rest of the game. This is the tactic of the NBA. Three, sudden death overtime. This is my least favorite. The first team to win score the first team to score wins immediately ending overtime. The NHL resorts to a shootout if no one scores during the overtime period. I think they're just allowed to have tie games in soccer and it's no big deal. But but she is the farthest thing. Okay. Stop. We're going to revise that after the after, no big deal because I added her gender in there and I shouldn't have done that. It's not in here. But I am the farthest thing from an expert. It might be funny to see people freak out over tie games in Dota. At the 80 minute mark, the announcer just says, good game slowly played. And that's all she wrote. Of course, there are a couple of other factors making Dota a long, uh, making a long Dota match different from a hockey game. Hockey players get exhausted and start making mistakes, and someone scores. Also, the Red Wings can't win the match by knocking over the opposing net and dancing around it. <laughs> that that would be a so much better sport. Personally, I've never been in a Dota match that went super long but like the idea of letting them continue just as they are, buggier and more surreal as you go, until finally they drag to an end. Love the podcast. So, I was specifically thinking of hockey, and unlike our reader, I actually like hockey's solution. I won't say that I like it, but I mean, like, Dota's solution is so broken. <laughs> Dota's solution is very broken. Um... But yeah, I just like, I like the idea of, like, in, you know, as as you know, in hockey, it turns into a shootout, right? Like, yeah. the teams take turns having one man run at the goalie and try and score a shot, and whoever has the most goals at the end of that, la da la. Um, or, no, I think it's actually the first team to miss a shot loses, or something. I don't fucking remember exactly. But, um... I don't know. I, I mean, I was going to say, I think you should just have, like, a big team fight, and whoever wins, fucking wins. But that would be a little bit of a mess. And then the other thing you could do is have it be, like, okay, you're going to have five one-on-one -on -one matches. Choose who you want to match up in each match. So you're like, okay, Dazzle, you're going to be in fight one. And you don't know who they picked for fight one, right? It's like picking a, a, an order in King of Fighters or something. 
and you just try and draft in a way, like line your heroes up in a way that you're going to win three out of the five fights. I mean, like, I would like Dota to just solve it by by trying to to balance it to avoid the stalemates. Well, sure. <laughs> when you put it like that. Like, I think that's the only way to make... Like, you can you can come up with all sorts of gimmicky ways to make it work, but, like, you... I, I don't think that's ever going to be... To... to like, uh, imagine how fucking anti-hype that would be in a tournament. Why would that be anti-hype if you had a big fight? But it's like... <sighs> Suddenly, you you go into this mode where like the the rules for winning are different, and like the strategy by which you picked your team doesn't re- isn't what matters anymore. Well, hang on, that's not like that doesn't even make sense. Like that would just become a different element of the strategy, right? You would but say it... if this game seems like it could possibly go long, like considering their lineup so far, you would try and pick heroes who would win in an out and out fight, who would win in this late game mode. Yeah, I, I, I don't think like I don't think any team would would actually compromise their their strategy for the main part of the game for that eventuality that might happen at some. But point. But you don't even need to do that, right? Like you could like okay, we're in this game and it's running late and the timer is approaching. Let's sell some of the uh, sell like okay, I'm a support. Let me sell my wards and my fucking arcane boots and get some stuff that matters in a fight. Let me, since this timer is approaching, use items to gear myself up for this mode. Yeah, like that. I I don't like it at all. That that sounds extremely clunky to me. I mean, I'm not like. I I can't imagine. I can't cannot imagine a solution that doesn't like a solution in that vein. I feel like you're approaching this from the attitude of any deviation from standard Dota at the end of the match is going to be worse and i think it can add a different element to things like when you have a shoot off in hockey it's not like everyone is rolling their eyes and being like oh god this is fucking terrible it's tense as shit it's just a different kind of tension than the normal game like i i don't think i like that in regular sports and i think i would like it much less in dota just because of what dota is hmm I think it would be really hard to design a thing like that that would feel like it belongs. I'm not sure it would be harder than just making the game so that that never happened. Well, I don't... (sighs) Like, what kind of a time limit are are we talking about here where such a mode would go into effect? I mean, the numbers aren't really important because you'd adjust them as needed, but I would say something like 90 minutes. Too soon. Two hours. Yeah, okay. Two hours. See? And, like, then it would be such a minor fucking thing. It would just be, like, a weird... Well, I mean, is that not preferable? Like, if every hockey... Again, if every hockey game went to a shootout, that would be a bad fucking thing. They are not common. Like I, I, I think, I think that's a band-aid solution to a very serious problem that Reed Sports has, and I'm not sure that the problem is dire enough in Dota that it is needed. Well, we'll have to talk about Dota versus Real Sports more in a in a future episode. Um, for now, I guess we'll sign off. Um, I'm Colin Detmar with uh oh, sorry, let me back this train up a bit. Um, so we, uh, Bottle Crow is on iTunes. You can rate us there and review us. Um, you should tell your friends about us if you enjoyed it. We are basically only spread by word of mouth, so that would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can send your emails to bottlecrowpodcast at gmail.com. We are at Bottle Crow on Twitter. Johnny is at Johnny Warp Zone. I am at 6264. Uh, 
I write for uh, Scanline Media at scanlinemedia.com, and Johnny writes for Score Attack at score-attack.com. Well, Indeed. writes and produces videos. Well, mostly produces videos. Don't do a lot of writing currently. That That is something that happens periodically when I feel like it. Fair enough. And, yeah. I think that's all we got for you. Thanks for sticking around with us. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you in two weeks, I guess. For 6.85. No. 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 Just for more of this. Bye. Bye. Hello, Johnny. Did you know that we forgot something? Yes, I did. Because you told me. Well, yes, I I did. Radio. Uh, We have been very generously given permission to use the music from the Harmonies of New Bloom music pack for Dota, created by community artist Pumodi, who is of the same name on Reddit. Uh, We are very grateful. It's some pretty amazing music that was released with the New Bloom patch, and uh, we're very excited to be able to use it here on Bottle Crow. Thank you very much. We... we obviously are not skilled musicians ourselves, so we can't make any music, is what we're saying. We are bad at this. But Pomodi can, and if you like what you hear here, you should go to uh, the in-game store and pick it up. It is $4.99, though you can also find it on the marketplace, and it's uh, it's definitely well worth equipping. I have it myself. Indeed. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.